Men of low moral fiber. Choo choo choo. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. This is how I saw episode two. <laughs> and I don't know who you talk about, man. <laughs> Okay, so let's move seamlessly now. And I'm Kurt Reynolds. Dirty then. Double down, Don. We need to give a parental advisory for this. Clicking furiously on my mouse. Eat the paella. All right, everybody. Let's get swifty. That was cool. That was fun, guys. Awesome. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of Men of Low Moral Fiber, the show that fills the last 20 minutes of every episode with seemingly endless puzzles and mazes to make sure that you're really getting your money's worth when you're listening to this free podcast we've put together for you. Uh, I'm your host, Ben Helms, and with me, as always, is my broom alien waking two-headed squirrel feeding brother, Jason Helms. How's it going, man? Going good. Um, Man, that broom alien really surprised me, and it was really fun. Yeah, I didn't know what was really happening. I mean, that, I guess that's, it's like a lot of the game. I didn't really know what was happening there. It was a broom. Yeah, and we'll, and we'll talk uh, a bit more about that in a second. <laughs> but that was honestly one of my favorite moments from the game is you, you get the broom alien. It keeps calling it a broom alien. Yeah. I'm like, that's the stupidest thing in the world. Right. Like, it's clearly just a broom with googly eyes. Why are they calling it that? And spoiler <laughs> alert, guys, for like everything to follow. It's a broom alien. It's a full-on alien uh, yeah, yeah. that only wakes up after the second time you use it to sweep something. Uh, yeah, today we're jumping even further back in time from last month's game, Loom, uh, and we're covering the 1987 classic adventure game, a pioneer of point and clicking, a seminal slow clicker, Zach McCracken and the alien mindbenders. And uh, just to give you guys a peek behind the curtain and show you how the sausage is made, um, Ben's notes actually say Seminole, uh, like Florida State. Um, but that's OK, because I hate the word Seminole anyway, because it's a gross word. I've been watching too much college football, as you can see. So uh, anyway, so we we joked. We've been joking for almost two years now. I mean, this is the, this is the last episode of season two of Men of Low Moral Fiber. So that's, we have seasons? This is going I great. So. Uh, but yeah, this, I hope we get picked up for season three. Right. We're taking January off. We'll come back in Feb- first week of February with another episode. Uh, maybe a couple of si- uh, side quests in between. That. We'll probably do a little side quest on Star Wars. Something here. Anyway. Uh, but we have uh, a recommendation for you if you if you just need to hear our voices. That's true. Um, That's true. Hey, check out the other four podcasts we're on. A lot of overthinking going on between here and February. So feel free to check that out if you get bored. Uh, but yeah, we joked that we weren't going to do Zach McCracken. That was always on my big whiteboard in my basement. I mean, in my office. <laughs> that was always the bottom of the whiteboard. It's like, oh, we'll race the other ones as we go along. This is the list of games we're doing. And Zach McCracken is always at the bottom. We'll keep it. That'll be the last one we ever do. And you kind of threw an audible out last week when you said Zach McCracken, right? I did. I did. Yeah, I, I've been excited to play this game. Um, and also, I, I remembered why we kind of pushed it off, but it's still one of my favorites yeah. uh, and, and a good memory for me. So I'm glad we finally got to it. I think also as we kind of pivoted earlier this year, and we said we're not going to necessarily do every single LucasArts game ever, and we're not going to just do LucasArts games. We kind of broadened it up. I think right. this year we did four, at least four games that came out within the past five years. So we're definitely broadening... What the games we're doing, uh, and so we wanted to make sure that we cover those classic games that kind of that we that modern games and games in the '90s refer back to. And yeah, um, Maniac Mansion obviously is a big one. And Zach McCracken is another one of those big ones. Those tent poles that hold up modern puzzle adventure games. Absolutely, um, and we are going to stay true to our roots in the coming year. So even though we explore new games, uh, our moral fiber will never be lower. Oh, so true. Um, don't worry about that. Just like the rest of America. 
Hey-o. So what did you remember? I, the only thing I remembered from Zach McCracken is the egg on the airplane scene. And I think most of that is because when we talked to David Fox about Thimbleweed Park, he mentioned, he yeah. mentioned that. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. that sounds vaguely familiar. But what did you remember? You played you, you were a little older when we played this. Um, actually, I remember the copyright, uh, the copy protection codes. Oh, we had um, to wear like the red glasses to read the book. Yeah. And that had all the uh, the ways to get into the airport and get out of the U.S. Um, I remember flying to Seattle. I remember the good squirrel. I knew exactly how to solve. So I know exactly how far I got because oh, nice. I knew how to solve the two-headed squirrel. I think I solved it wrongly. Yeah. So we can get into this real quick before we get yeah, into all please. of the history and everything. Uh, I I couldn't figure it out. Couldn't figure it out. Finally, I figured it out and it just didn't seem familiar at all. I dropped the stale bread on its head and it died. <laughs> That's not the way I solved it because that's a good I, one. I spent a half an hour looking for peanuts that I lost. I think I gave him, I dropped him, I gave him to Annie. I gave, I dropped him in that little like slot in the door. Yeah. And I never got him back. And you can't nope. go, once you beat the plane scene, you don't go back on the plane and get more peanuts. Nope. So I was like, well, I'll try to give the squirrel everything else and drop stale bread and killed it. Yep. <laughs> and you get, um, you give the peanuts to it, right? Oh, yeah. You yeah. get the peanuts. All right. uh, and then you get the branch off the tree and then you scrape away the dirt in okay. the cave and then you go in with the lighter. I love it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I knew the plane. I knew Seattle. Um, and then I think that when I had originally played it, I got stuck there. Uh, so I knew lots and lots of other places. I remember the yak. Mm-hmm. I remembered uh, the the uh, guru in Nepal. Okay. Um, I think I even remember. Yeah, I remembered Zaire. Wow. Uh, I remembered Egypt. Like, I remember the locations, but I didn't remember what to do with the puzzles. And I think it's because I never solved those puzzles. I just right. wandered. Right, right, right. You can get to a lot of places on that charge card and not have to, or cash card. Yep. And yep. not, still not solve anything. So, all right, so let's get into some of the history. It was released October 1988, so a year after Maniac Mansion. Uh, for Commodore 64, IBM PC, it was planned for Apple II. Never released for it, though. Luckily today, as of 2015, it's on GOG, and we can play it on our Apple threes fours whatever yeah, number they're up to now i've lost count of how many apples there are anyway before uh and then it was released you played we played two different versions on god yes. you can download the classic pc version or the fm towns japanese version oh, uh yeah. which looked i didn't realize this until i finished <laughs> look the fm towns version looks so much better than the one i played and sounded so much it's better so too pretty. It's so pretty. Oh, um, mine sucked. i loved it it was a wonderful experience <laughs> if you download this and you've not played the original yeah just play the FM Towns. You're fine. Yeah, uh, It's not in Japanese or anything. They just use the graphics and the sound. I think especially because, especially compared to the original PC version, this one, it only came out two years later, uh, but Japan was just better, I guess. I don't know. Uh, it looks like a modern game. Yep. Like it, it looks like in, in the way that Thimbleweed Park looks like a modern game. It looks like a modern game that was kind of scaled down and designed to look retro as opposed just to- Just two years later. I know, I know. it's so pretty. I know, and it wasn't released. You couldn't play it on a um, on an American computer until 2015, until they released it on GOG. At least that's what I read. I don't know how true that is. Who knows how true what an American computer is, anyway? I guess right. <laughs> not a, not a lot of them are made in Cupertino, I guess, uh, or Seattle or wherever, Redmond, wherever IBM or wherever Microsoft sure. is located. Whatever. Anyway, so let's get back to it. Uh, this was this whole thing was kind of David Fox's baby. He was the designer. Uh, director, project lead. He probably made some art for it at one point. I don't know. Uh, but it, it was his baby. We talked a little bit uh, about this with him in our interview, I think in April, March or April, yeah. whenever that was. 
when we talked about Thimbleweed with him, uh, Ma- Matthew Allen Kane was also co-designer, co-writer, co-programmer, and then also uh, Gary Winnick, Ron Gilbert worked a lot on this game. Uh, so we kind of have scum roots all over the place. Mark Ferrari did a lot of the art for it. So this is, again, a lot like Maniac Mansion in the sense that it's one of those, all of the kind of Mount Rushmore scumlets yeah. worked on this game. The original scumlets. The, ori- the OG scumlets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think one of the most important things uh, about it in terms of its influence is the fact that David Fox did it with the scum engine that Ron Gilbert had already created and Gary Winnick had already created. Yeah, yeah. And the reason that that's so important is not just because these are all great, important people, but because um, from what I can tell in my research, working with the original scum engine for Maniac Mansion was kind of a bear. Yeah. And David Fox had some trouble with it. And so in the course of creating a new game, he ended up reworking the scum engine. Uh, the scum engine was not you know, created once and then it existed. It got recreated kind of with each game. Uh, it got you know, tweaked in new ways where they added iMuse uh, and things like that later. Um, but this was one of the first major revisions of it. In fact, I guess it w- would be since it's the only the second game. Um, and uh, one of the things that I did is it made it a lot easier to work with for new creators. Uh, I think without Zach McCracken, without David Fox's dedication to uh, revising the Scum Engine and making it more accessible, you don't have uh, a lot of the games from the 90s. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it, it's it's amazing to read about the – I mean there's not a whole lot of information. I think most of the information is literally just from David Fox doing interviews. <laughs> a lot yeah. of the references are just like in this YouTube interview, in this book or whatever. Uh, but it seems like he he did the game from start to finish in nine months with a really small team. And it was basically him coding. Yeah. So it's yeah. just amazing, especially considering how long this game was. It was way longer than I remembered, way longer Huge. than Maniac Mansion. Huge. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's not quite Thimbleweed length, but still. I mean, this is 30 years before that. So, And it had to fit on discs. And it had to, yeah, exactly. I think one side was the was sides or discs, whatever it was. One side was all the scenes and the other side was all of the, the actions or something. I can't remember how he, he broke it up, but yeah. Man, with, these, with these different sides, you're imagining a uh, like an LP, right? That's what you're imagining. I was imagining like a, a Rubik's cube, actually. Okay. Okay. Cool. And Never mind. So the nine times six. So there's 54 <laughs> individual sides, the cubes yeah, that right. you have to rotate around uh-huh. and put on your computer. I don't remember. Yeah. My computer doesn't have a CD drive anymore. That's how much. My my computer does still have a Rubik's cube drive. Oh, it does. And, uh, wow. You can get around the copy protection by just scraping off all of the uh, the little stickers. Wow. And wow. That's the that's the best way to solve a Rubik's cube. So let's talk about let's off. talk about a philosophical difference that David Fox and I have, and that you, yep. we'll see where you land on this. Uh, yep. But I saw a couple of interviews with him, and he mentioned the fact that, and I've heard this this elsewhere. I can't remember where, but he said that gamers back then, and I don't know how it breaks down now. Gamers back then wanted to spend, were expecting to spend an hour per dollar yep. on gameplay. Yep. So if the game costs thirty to forty dollars which is what kind of the average was back then for PC games. Uh, they're expected to take around 30 to 40 hours to, to finish it, or you know, maybe even included some replay value here and there if you wanted to play twice or whatever. Uh, and that's, I would think that would be including, that, that would be taking no, you know, not looking at hints. This is pre-internet in everyone's homes, and so you're not going to UHS and checking out your hint system or anything like that. So I think that's probably right. 30 to 40 hours is probably what it would take without looking at any hints. Jason and I used a mm-hmm. couple hints here and there, a couple walkthroughs, because <laughs> this game is impossible. But um, I think that also explains to me, it gives some rationale to all of the freaking mazes throughout yes. this entire game. Yes. And uh, the 
one of the main critiques at the time was that it was too short of a game. So what? Keep keep that in mind to get a feel for what video games were at the time, what people expected. Um, Man, and this is think about you know Gone Home okay. versus Skyrim, right? And that's why you got sure. a lot of people getting on Steam and GOG and complaining that Gone Home is too short of a game. Um, I love Gone Home. It's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. You know, it's uh, and it's great for people like us who don't have a lot of time to play games. But if what you're looking for is something to distract you from the monotony that is your life and you just need something to take up the time, then you want Skyrim, not Gone Home. Right. Uh, you can spend a lot of time mixing ingredients. And yeah. so I think Zach McCracken kind of um, splits that. It leans, leans towards a longer game. In my recollection, it's one of the longer LucasArts games. Um, yeah. Certainly one of the most difficult. A lo- and a lot of that length isn't true length. Like you said, it's it's mazes um, to make it feel longer than it is, which uh, David Fox admits to and says, you know, that's that's how you can get a really long game sit fit on a single Commodore 64 disc. Right. Is you, you add mazes, which don't add any space. Um, you know, you just have the same four screens repeat in different order and boom, there you go. So... Yeah, I I think it's it's fair criticism from from now, but let's let's kind of get all of our negative criticism out of the way now because I think when we get to gameplay, if we if we reserve any of that, we won't talk about what was really fun about the game. It's really long. It's impossible. Um, it's difficult. It's <laughs> the backtracking was get, the biggest thing for both of us. I backtracking. Think. It's easy to get stuck. Yeah. Um. Easy. It's easy to uh, and that's the thing. Not so much easy to die because the way that you die makes sense. Like the ways that you die. Like, well, yeah, you know, you gotta, you gotta open your parachute before you, when you're falling from the sky, that, that makes complete sense. But, um, it's very, very easy to get caught in a dead end by running out of money, uh, because of buying plane tickets. And so that's my biggest critique of it. If you had gotten a charge card and it said, you know, unlimited money, if there was a hack to get unlimited money in Zach McCracken, I would have beaten this game without any hints. Oh, and really? I just would have, I would have kept at it and at it and at it. Yeah. Uh, it might've taken a long time. Like that's not me bragging about how good I am at this. It's most of the stuff I did. I, I went to the hints because I was so scared of getting stuck. Mm. So after you do one dead end and you have to backtrack for like an hour, um, it's you, you stop having fun. Um, and so that's my biggest critique of it is I, I really wish for the GOG version they had said, and here's a cheat. If you don't want to play the original version, but that's the easiest update. You have infinite money. I mean, they kind of solved that, right, with the lottery. But that, even that, it's 10000 which is a lot. But now you can only, yeah. when you're spending like two grand to get to Nepal yeah. and back, yeah. uh, you know, that's, you, you're still going to get stuck. There's still the possibility. Yeah, it's true. I think the two biggest things that can define the frustration level of a game, two of the biggest ones that have, have like a most routine impact are your currency and inventory. Mm-hmm. especially when you're playing with multiple players like maniac mansion, Thimbleweed park, this game, day yep. the tentacle. Yep. When you have to transfer things to people. And if that takes more than 30 seconds or whatever, arbitrary amount of time, if that takes a long time and you're walking from screen to screen and getting airplane tickets, you're going here and you're going there and you realize, Oh, I forgot the bread. I have to wake up the bus driver. I have to do this. And it could take five to 10 minutes just to give one character or to give another character something in your inventory, which is just the amount of times you have to do that throughout this game is it, that that got old 
<laughs> yeah. lightly. Uh, and then the currency, like you're saying, I mean, things cost a lot of money and you, the money is not infinite. And so yep. games have done creative things in Omanic Mansion, or um, I know, I think Secret of Monkey Island, it, money was kind of an issue, right? That's kind of a puzzle throughout the game is getting enough money to do something. And so in the second one, in LeChuck's Revenge, they solved that by just starting you off with whatever they call it, an unlimited amount of coins. Yeah. Right, in the beginning yep. of the game. But even with that, I don't think that there were that many things that you could spend money on and run out. I think that was kind of the um, point of that game was like, yeah. sorry for all the money puzzles. Money's not an issue yeah. in this game. Let's just get past yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, and so money was still an issue in this game. That was definitely con- a, a, a constant source of frustration. Uh, and the uh, giving things to different players they solved in Day of the Tentacle, uh, which by the time you get yes. to Day of the Tentacle in the, in the LucasArts chronology, I think they've solved most of those problems. You definitely can't die. You can't get stuck. Uh, you can move things from one player to another very easily. And so the focus is now on the puzzles. Which is it's fascinating seeing or judging these games as far as rating them. We haven't rated these games. It's not something we do, but... If we were, it would be hard to take them out of their the context of the time they were made. Yeah. Because this game, yeah. Maniac Mansion, games made in the 80s would rate lower than games made in the 90s. Would And, and Thimbleweed Park would be a perfect 10 if that was, yeah. if you know what I mean? Cause just because these creators create a game every three to five years and they get better at them significantly every single time. And so it would be hard to say, to take this out of 1988. Which is weird for such a nostalgia-based podcast to say. Right. Uh, that newer is better. Um, but it, it, it really is. Uh, and so I, anything else negative you want to say, or can we talk about what we love about this game? Cause I do want to embrace that nostalgia and talk about why I still really love this game. Uh, off the top, what are some things you played through the whole game? What's something in six months you'll remember most positively about the game? I, th- I think it's the, the, the gestalt, the, the big kind of coherent vibe of the game, um, which is the weekly world news, um, that, there's something about the conspiracy theories and the aliens and everything that is so late eighties. Yeah. The national inquisitor. Yeah. Yeah. And and I remember it. I miss when tabloids. Bat boy, right? Remember bat boy and bat boy. Yes. That's, that's the tabloids I need. I don't want to know about Benefer or whatever else is happening. (laughs) Right. Um, Right. I don't, I don't care. I, I don't want tabloids to be about, um, Hey, Guess which political party we're not for? Well, here's pictures of them being ugly. Um, yeah, like I, yeah. I don't care. I'm not interested. Give me Bat Boy. Give me two headed squirrels. Um, and so the uh, that whole vibe, like the going to Mars, uh, the weird aliens, the the stupidness of they wear the Groucho Marx glasses, uh, and all of a sudden no one can tell who they are. Like all yes. of that is so much fun. Yeah. And so I think just the general vibe of the game is really really fun. Um, yeah. I'd say the majority of the puzzles are fair and solvable. Uh, mm-hmm. They're difficult, but in retrospect, you go, oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Um, the the few exceptions would be uh, stale bread in the um, garbage disposal to use for the birds in Peru. Wow. And the reason that's so complex is you have to go to Peru first to figure out that you need to do it. Yes. Yeah. And on a limited budget, that's tough. Um, but for the most part, the puzzles are solvable. They're fair. Uh, and when you, when you get one, it feels really, really good. Um, so we should talk a little bit about gameplay now. Um, I used walkthroughs throughout the whole process. Oh yeah. Let's back it up even further. If we can, I know I have a lot of mainly friends and family who listen to this game that never play these games and just listen to us to kind of check in with us once a month oh, and have sure. us talk okay. at well, them for 45 minutes. So shout out to, uh, to non-players. Thanks mom. Thanks. Um, uh, dad, 
dad would never listen to this anyway no, no, no. Hey, hey, let's let's get it all out now let's let's talk about dad behind his back let's yeah 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 so that one know. time when i was 12 years old and dad picked yeah. me up but he was seven minutes okay no um yeah so <laughs> rob smith the amazing author of the great tome rogue leaders uh describes the game thusly the game revolved around a tabloid reporter the titular zach mccracken who makes up stories about Elvis sightings and other fanciful events, and then learns that these stories are actually true. In the aftermath of this shocking discovery, players controlled four characters in a quest to stop aliens from dumbifying the public. That is not the game I played. No. That sounds really interesting, and it's a cool take, an interesting take on Zach McCracken and the Alien Mindbenders. Uh, and I, w- I kind of wish, in retrospect, that the game dove into that idea of that like revelation of this guy writing for the National Inquisitor and and realizing, oh my gosh, all these stories have come true. It's like a Jumanjifying or like a Stranger Than Fiction, like the things that I'm writing become true uh, of this story that I did not get when I played the game. Did you get any part of that at all? The 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 postmodern uh, magical realism of it, right? That he wrote about the double the two headed squirrel, and it, oh my gosh, it came true. That that wasn't something I understood. In in retrospect, I I like Rob Smith's take. I th- yeah. think. Yeah. I think it seems I think it seems correct. Yeah. Um and that that is what they intended. However. Oh, you think it is. Okay, okay. Yeah. However, in order for that to come across, I think we needed more realizations mm-hmm. from Zach and less of him saying like, "Ooh, I've got a headline about this one." Yeah. Cuz all that feels like is this happens to him all the time and like, right. "Okay, so what headline am I going to write?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- and I think if they played it a little more straight of just or more realistic rather than a bunch of one-liners and a bunch of like, "This is the next task." Like it yep. seemed a little uh, less personal than other games in that sense. Uh, when you have something like the discovery of Bruno in Sam and Max, the Bigfoot, right. these two, you know, this dog and bunny are playing totally straight. This is the real world we live in, even though it's a cartoon. And oh my gosh, there's a Bigfoot. This is crazy. And you kind of, you get the impact of what that is. And this one, it was like, oh, there's a two headed squirrel. Like that's just yep. a thing in this world. And so I didn't really know what was true. What wasn't, what was fanciful, what was supposed to be funny because it was just kind of scattered throughout. And there wasn't this, perspective of the main character telling me how to think about things yeah yeah that makes uh, sense but yeah but hey, that being said sorry i'm not trying to make it another uh criticism because i i really I did we enjoy this game the, i really just positives from now on i do enjoy this game overall i thought it was a great game i still i definitely think it should be up there with all the other ones as far as um the kind of upper echelon of games uh any other stuff as far as setting the context for the game before we get into the gameplay um you are zach mccracken when you start the game and yep. you and then you you gradually unlock other characters to play as as well, and then you can switch back and forth between the the different characters. Uh, many of the tasks require multiple characters to do different things. Right. And the overarching plot is that there are two races of aliens. Uh, one of them, the Caponians, like Al Capone. Uh-huh. Uh, the Caponians are the bad aliens who've taken over the phone company. They're planning to turn the world stupid with their mind bending machine. Uh, that emits a 60 hertz hum. I love that. Very specific. Uh, and then the Scalarians, Scalarians, uh, which are the good aliens. They're kind of an ancient race of aliens that left behind plans for a machine that you and your three friends are trying to put together this machine to defeat the Caponians. Uh, but the, of course, the parts are scattered all over Earth and Mars and everywhere. And so Zach, Annie, Melissa, and Leslie, it's their job to kind of find the parts and put together a machine to thwart the meddling Caponians. Yep. Does that about do it? That's That does it. Right. Um, that's that's solid so in in that process what are i guess what any other context we need to set or we can jump into the gameplay i think we can jump into gameplay all right so let's start with uh just how we played this game so that we can be real honest uh we mentioned that we used walkthroughs um i used a number of walkthroughs 
Uh, the difficult thing about walkthroughs in this game is it's not very linear, which is to its credit. Yeah, um, true, true. But so all the walkthroughs I saw were based around locations. What do you do in this location? What do you do in this location the second time or the third time? Because you got to do some other things in between. Which even I'm trying to think of another location based thing was Indiana Jones and uh, Fate of Atlantis. It was very right. much like, okay, when you're at this point in Atlantis, do you have this many Orichalcum beads? Do you have this and this and this? If you have these, then you can go forward. And this was even less linear than that because you can be at a certain location 20 times. And depending on what you have in your inventory, depending on what part of the game you are in, it's you need to do different things. And so it was it was very nonlinear, which, yeah, I guess. I guess that's to its credit. Uh, it's hard to not see that as a criticism uh, as being someone who was trying to follow a walkthrough and trying to cheat. <laughs> right. But right. yeah, I guess... If we had 40 to 50 hours to spend on this, that would be seen as a positive. Or if this was 1988. Yeah. Uh, well, and just innovative game design. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very easy to make a game that's linear and that railroads you and you do this, do that, do this. But uh, with that nonlinearity, it gives you a, a feel of a real environment that you're exploring and doing things with. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And I love things like when you ask uh, to get the stale bread, you have to ask the baker three or four times. And he finally yes. throws the stale yes. bread at you. I mean, there's stuff like that that's definitely very innovative and kind of a LucasArts classic uh, trope. Uh, I love that. And the the fact that the um, that Melissa, Leslie, and Annie were all named after significant others of the de- of yeah. some of the designers. When did you know that? Uh, I knew because we talked to uh, David Fox about his yeah. wife, Annie. Yeah. And them starting a computer uh, was computer Marine Computer Learning Center. Was that the name of it? I think it's similar to it. Yeah. In the late 70s, early 80s. And so. He threw out his wife's name when we talked to him. And so I was like, oh, Annie's the second main character of this game. And so I looked it up and that was that was true for all of the, the rest of the characters. So yeah, earlier you talked about the fact that you could die in, in, in certain parts of this game or whatever. But I definitely died several times and I could keep going. Uh, I think the first time I died, I had Leslie just take off her helmet and yeah. open the door on the Mars rover or the um, the hostel, <laughs> Mars hostel. Yeah. The Mars hostile. I was like, oh, what What happens if I don't put my helmet back on? And she's screaming that she's suffocating and she dies. Oh, gosh. Yep. And do you know what happens when that happens? Uh, no, what happens? You don't get to play as that character anymore. You just you only have three options rather than four options when you switch characters. Uh, and I decided to go back to my last save. I didn't want to try to figure out the rest of the game with only three characters because I had a feeling that it would at least be much harder. Mm-hmm. But I'd be interested to find out if it changes the ending or something. I, mean, I doubt it does because the ending is just Annie and Zach. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Did you die when you played the game? Yeah, I died as Zach when I was trying to put together my spacesuit. Um, oh yeah, I put on the the helmet before I put on the oxygen, and he suffocated very quickly. Yeah, uh, as I was trying to say, like use oxygen, put on oxygen. Wait, what do I do? I've got to click it twice. Ah, I'm yeah. dead. Yeah. And I like when she says, oh, now we can communicate through our dreams. And I think the quote is, if one of us dies, it'll be impossible for us to complete our mission. Yep. Which is kind yep. of the definition of death. <laughs> no, it's, it's a good way to look at it. Wow. It is now impossible for me to complete my mission. <laughs> my mission is now over. Yep. Oh, man. I went down on my tombstone. Uh, but yeah, it, it was interesting playing as four characters. I think that it was more frustrating than it was helpful usually because mm-hmm. I didn't really know who I should be using to do something. And by the time I did, it was... I felt like I was using the wrong character. Uh, yep. But yeah, I, I just kind of defaulted to using Zach everywhere. Is that what you yeah. did? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is kind of frustrating in the sense that um, this is a game with three female playable characters and one male. And so it feels like, oh, wow, maybe this is kind of progressive in some ways. Uh, and yet you end up using the male character not necessarily for gendered reasons, right. but because you start as him, so he has most of the stuff. Yeah. And it's so cumbersome to move stuff from one character to another. 
Especially because you can't just do everything with Zach. You have to do some things with Annie. Right. And it, it, if you could have pressed give all, I think that would have changed it. Uh, oh. Uh, so so how did you play the game? Uh, you used some walkthroughs at first. And then uh, are you ready to to be honest with our listeners? I can be honest. I'm fine with being honest. I actually did not finish Zach McCracken, guys. Uh, yeah. I know. Uh, it's the holidays. It's insert five other excuses here. Uh, yeah. Did not finish the game. I played for much longer than I've played any other game other than Thimbleweed. And cause I think it was just super long. Uh, and it got to the point where I was just going through another maze and I was done. I was just yep. like throw the remote against the wall type moment. Uh, and I went back to it the next day and as soon I, I started reading walkthroughs to be like, okay, how far into this game am I? And I was a little over halfway yeah. <laughs> and I'd ran out of money and I needed lotto money. And I just, it was, I was done. Sorry. Sorry, David Fox. But real quick, I will say that I, I watched a couple different uh, long plays to kind of view how to beat the game and everything. So I could at least fake it. That sweet FM Towns graphics. Oh, well, dude. FM Towns looks so good. So good. Uh, it really is pretty. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So I used I went without walkthroughs for a while. Nice. Um. Then I started using walkthroughs um, just to get, get hints here and there. And then I got stranded without enough money. Oh, and I was like. Forget this. I'm going to go back and just use a walkthrough to get through it. Yeah. I do not want to have to backtrack again because I had to backtrack for like an hour. Yeah. Um, and so then I, uh, well, after I did that, I used the walkthroughs until I got to the place where I have, at, at one point you get a crystal that allows you to teleport. And from then on, you really don't have to use airplanes very much because uh, you can teleport to most of the locations. Okay. And at that point, I stopped using the walkthroughs and I beat the, the rest of the game. Wow. Sans walkthrough. Um, and it was so enjoyable. It was really, really fun. So when I say, you know, I think I would have beaten this if you didn't have to play, pay for airplane tickets. I really mean it. Like mm-hmm. I had so much fun solving the puzzles in this game. Yeah. And the whole idea of airplane tickets and of getting stranded somewhere without money caused me enough anxiety that it took away the fun from that. Um, so that that'd be the thing. I, I want to encourage people to play this game. I think it's really, really fun. Yeah. Um, and I would just say, save, save, save. Yeah. Every time you do something, I had 60 saves before you go do something. Yeah. Sa- save it. Every, the easiest thing to do is every time you get to the airport, press save. Yeah. Um, because you're spending money and you only have a finite amount of money. Yep. Um, and the other thing is if you feel like me, uh, and you want to have a little bit more freedom, what you can do is go and make one of the first tasks you do go and win the lottery it's you know fairly achievable after the first little arc um yeah and then once you get there and you've you've won the lottery uh now you've got some more freedom to explore and feel like you can spend your money willy-nilly but i would encourage you to play the game play the fm towns version go get it off gog it's cheap um and it will definitely uh be a week of your life well spent and we've mentioned this before i think this is a prime example of one of those games that doesn't benefit from having to play it in in a month. Like right. spend a couple hours here, come back in a couple weeks, spend a couple more hours to come back, back in a couple weeks. It's like $6, $5 game, $6 game. Uh, yep. And definitely worth it if you do it that way. Or if you just have a long weekend where you just have nothing else to do and you want to play a fun game, this would be the way to do it. But I think walking away, being able to walk away for a week and come back would would actually help being able to play this game. You know what we should do is organize some uh, some playthroughs for people. Um you know, get get set up a, a forum and say, okay, for the month of uh, February, we're going to play X game. You heard us talk about it. Now we're going to play through it. Oh, yeah. And uh, so here we're going to commit to not using walkthroughs. 
and you can share clues. You can go on this board and just ask other people for help. That'd be cool. Uh, and we'll all be playing the game at the same speed. So let's let's look into doing that in the future. Yeah, if we could find some twist on it that wouldn't just replicate what going to UHS would do. Something like that. Right. Maybe, I mean, maybe the limited timeline is the way of doing that. That makes it much more community. Like you're taking it to your, like we did, like taking it to school on Monday and talking to your friends about that, it. Yeah, that might that's be the exactly way what I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I like that. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll, we'll see if we can plan something like that. Uh, what's the beer? What's the song? Let's do it. This game's pretty fun. You with frustration. When I was all done, I just had to question. What's the beer? What's the song? All right, I'm going. What's the beer, man? So this, for me, I stuck in the Bay Area, uh, and I went yeah. with a classic. I don't. I hope you didn't do this, too. And I'm surprised we haven't done this before, but Anchor Steam from Anchor oh, Brewing. Nice. Yeah. So it's a weird beer. It's a hybrid beer. So it's kind of like a mid-lager, mid-ale, somewhere in between. Uh, it's one of the oldest breweries in the country. And yeah, I, it, those are kind of the two reasons. It's an unusual game. It's one of the oldest scum games, second oldest. So those are kind of the main two. And it's it's also, I think, overall just kind of a classic beer, a classic go-to. Uh, it's really good with a Niner game or with a, it's really good with a Giants game. It's, nothing's good with a Niners game. <laughs> Nothing is good for a Niner game. Oh, sad times. Jimmy Garoppolo, where are you? Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, uh, I think that's all I got. What's your beer? Uh, my beer, uh, I also went local, uh, but I live somewhere else. Uh, so Collective Brewing. I guess everywhere is technically local that way. Everywhere is technically local. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is that a t-shirt? It's not a fun t-shirt. Everywhere is local. That's I don't know what that means. Everywhere is local. All right. So I went with Collective Brewing, who I hit up uh, a few episodes ago as well. I really like Collective. Local uh, brewery, uh, they specialize in sours and funk. Uh, and so I went with their Wood Folk, which is one of their sourest uh, beers. Um, and yet of the sours, it's, it's a fairly accessible sour of that style, uh, wood aged sour. Um, it's a great beer. It's really good. Uh, one of the cool things about living in Fort Worth is it's like five bucks for a glass here. Whereas if I go next to the bar, uh, three blocks away, uh, that is not the actual brewery. It's like 15 bucks for a glass of the same thing. Um, and I can only imagine it gets more expensive outside Fort Worth. Uh, but it is it's a really, really nice beer. So the, the nice. reason I chose it is um, it is not super accessible. Mm-hmm. And yet of its style, nice. it's a very accessible example. And so I think that that kind of fits the game of this is Zach McCracken's a difficult game. But of the difficult, complex, you can get stuck, you can die yeah. uh, puzzle game genre, it's it's not as tough as a lot of the stuff Sierra did. I picked up a rock and it rolled over and fell on me. I'm dead. Start over. Now you're dead. <laughs> you're dead. Wait, I was just looking at a rock. Nope, you're dead. Now you're dead. Okay, should have saved it. Uh, what's the song? All right. So my song uh, is a weird one. Um, I nice. went, I decided to go surfing with the alien. Yeah, right. As we all do. Yep. Uh, do you know the reference yet? Not right at there. all. Not at all. Joe Satriani, uh, surfing with the alien. Does, do his songs great... have lyrics? Uh, no. Uh, he had a great, uh, silver surfer kind of cover on that surfing with the alien, uh, album. Anyway, the song is if I could fly, uh, which is a, a kind of fun, uh, Satriani instrumental. And I chose it because it's also like most Satriani songs, not necessarily the most accessible things for people who aren't into it, but also incredibly influential. If you listen to Joe Satriani, if I could fly, you can probably guess really quickly in what way it's influential. Uh, the way that it's influential is, uh, they, 
Tatriani sued Coldplay for absolutely stealing it for Viva La Vida. Uh, so let's do a little bit of Satriani and just start humming. Uh, if I could rule the world. I just want to fly. What you want? That's what it. you really, that's really it. want? You're Put there. your arms around me, baby. Put your... That one. Yeah, that's a classic. That's it. Dude. That's it, Mark McGrath. Thank you. <laughs> You're just no, no. It's a classic. I mean, of course they got sued. They can rip that off totally. I'm talking about the Foo Fighters learning to fly. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, it's classic. Wow, this is off off of the rails. So my song. Are you done? Off the rails. Are you done? Are you done yet? Are you done? Are you done? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, pardon me. Uh, it's your turn. Oh wow! Spoiler alert. Pardon me by Incubus was my pick. The burdens of the planet Earth. Because I'm, I've been trying to get Incubus onto this podcast for years. No. And I went Incubus because Brandon Boyd uh, actually wrote a few songs about his uh, alien abduction. I don't know if you knew this. Uh, yep. was, And I don't know where he is now, but kind of an interesting fella. I, I think he's hanging out with half of Blink-182 talking about alien abductions. That sounds about right. Uh, but yeah, a lot of alien-like weirdness in Pardon Me. Uh, just the, the way the song is written, the way it sounds. Uh, and it mentions... The burdens of planet Earth, like gravity, hypocrisy, and the perils of being in 3D. I was like, oh, it's a 2D game, the perils of 3D. So you'd want to stay go. safe in there 2D. Uh, but thinking so much differently, like you have to think different. Like we, we've talked about specifically Tim Schafer, like thinking like Schaefer helps you mm. unlock these puzzles. So thinking differently can kind of help you uh, solve some of these puzzles. So yeah, I went with uh, one of my favorite songs in middle school, Pardon nice. Me by Incubus. Middle school. Man, I feel old. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, middle school. Anyway, so we are taking a month off like we usually do. Uh, we're not going to be playing a game in December so we can spend time with our families and loved ones, uh, which means there's no January game. We'll, our next game will be coming out in February. Jay, what are you going to be doing with your time? Um, Just hanging out. I got a new kid. Um, She's awesome. Uh, Spending some time with her. Nice. Uh, Oh, what am I doing? Oh, thanks for asking. I'm going to be... Uh... <laughs> Spending time with uh, with friends and family and actually not going at all or not going anywhere, which is really nice. My wife will be having a baby in a few months, so I'll be prepping for that. Huzzah. Huzzah. Yeah. Uh, one thing we can do before we leave, we can talk a little bit about Overthink. If it, if you like listening to Men of Low Moral Fiber, I promise we won't mention this every single podcast, but Men of Low Moral Fiber recently was bought out by the Overthink Podcast Network. We are now uh, a subsidiary of the Overthink Podcast Network. We are on that network. Uh, yeah, because there's similar ideals, right? Yep. Their their motto is diving deep into art, media, and culture. And that's what we do. We're a part of art and culture, we, we like to think at least, and vintage video games, vintage LucasArts games. Uh, anything more you want to mention about uh, the Overthink or maybe some upcoming episodes or up- upcoming topics people might be interested in? Uh, people enjoy uh, the nostalgia of the early 90s, might enjoy a podcast I did uh, with my friend Dom about uh, Twin Peaks called What Exactly Am I Watching Here? Uh, I've seen Twin Peaks before. He has not. And we're walking watching them together and then talking about them. Uh, we do about four episodes of Twin Peaks for each episode of the podcast. So you can watch a bunch, then listen. If you've seen Twin Peaks before, it's probably a great way to rewatch the show without rewatching the show. Yeah, that'd, that'd be the one I'd plug right now. Uh, anything, Ben, you want to mention about the show? Yeah, we just did a Thor Ragnarok episode a couple weeks ago. We're doing at least one Star Wars episode in the month of December. Uh, yeah, this is the same. The Dom you mentioned was the same Dom who, who was on our Star Wars episode in, I want to say, March, February earlier this year, a Men of Low Moral Fiber episode. Uh, so yeah, a bunch of episodes coming up that I think you would be interested in checking out. Please like, subscribe, review, rate, that, that kind of fun stuff. Men of Little More Fiber and 
the overthink. Um, um, yeah, let's just uh, let's go ahead and pick our next game then uh, before we get out of here. Do in two months. You can start your homework early. Yeah, and maybe people will be less likely to use, uh, you know, walkthroughs or even Settle just uh, completely down. quit. Okay, and watch a video of somebody else playing it. Um, All right, they played it very well, though. They did. They did. By the way, you can beat Zach McCracken in less than an hour and a half, according to this YouTube wow. video. I know. I don't think I can. Um, no, yeah, you but maybe can't. maybe one could. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Grim Fandango, the grimmest of Fandangos, in fact, um, which is coming out just in time for a a Pixar movie being associated with it. Kako. And or cacao. Um, right. So, and by the yeah. way, feel free to get there 21 minutes uh, or even further than that. There's a 21 minute frozen short before the movie. Wow. So if you don't have small children, you can show up a half hour late to cacao and probably be fine. Wow. That's not a short anymore. No. That's an episode. No, man. So yeah. Um, yeah. Grim Fandango, get in there, play it. Yep. We are theming. I guess they're now owned by the same company. We're just theming all of our <laughs> LucasArts games by whatever Disney's doing that month. So check out cacao. And then uh, we will be playing Grim Fandango the first week of February. That'll be coming out. Uh, but yeah, I think that's all we have for you today. You can find us on our website at menoflowmoralfiber.com. We'll try to drop a couple blog posts in December because we're not playing a game. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, check us out there. And then you can always email us. We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions, comments, what you liked about the game, how mad you are that it actually didn't finish. Zach McCracken. Uh, our email address is mumfpod, M-O-L-M-F-P-O-D at gmail.com man i miss pod are they still a band anyway uh <laughs> if you really love our podcast we would love it if you would go to patreon.com slash month m-o-l-m-f uh and support us financially and if you kind of love our podcast just go on itunes and rate and review us yes yes and you if you, if you hate us you're probably not listening in the 40th minute of the podcast so that's right screw you guys <laughs> <laughs> anyway as always i've been ben i will be jason and I'm still a mighty pirate. And don't be a space goof. Always wear your space suit. Nice. See you guys in two months. Mm-hmm.